Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey everybody, I, uh, I heard a buddy preaching recently on the topic of money, and he talked about something that one of the billionaire dudes on Shark Tank said. Um, and I think it was the, the guy in the middle who's kind of the biggest loudmouth of them all. And he said these two things, and he said them at separate times. He said, one, nothing in life gives you more freedom than money. And then he said, two, I go to bed at night worrying about one thing. Did I make more money today? And you notice anything about those two statements? They're actually quite contradictory, I think. Uh, and think about it. He's saying in one sense, money gives you more freedom than anything else. It allows you to do whatever you want and not have any worries about that your money is going to take care of you. But then on the other hand, he's saying that there's nothing that keeps him up at night more than worrying about his money. His money gives him freedom, but his money also kind of holds him in this tight box. So he's actually enslaved himself to money while thinking that it's actually made him free. It's almost like a teenage kid who's bragging about being free to make their own choices, only his choices are all bad and he's getting into debt and he's, he's unhealthy and all his relationships are broken and destroyed. What good is freedom if that freedom does more to enslave you than actually free you? God's ideal for us is to actually trust him and surrender our ideas of wealth. And in that, we're actually going to experience true freedom, regardless of what your net worth looks like. And there's a lot of rich people out there who let's face it, they're actually quite enslaved to their money. It's never enough. And much of the time, we all seem to be just kind of out here running around like a bunch of crazy people looking for temporary treasure. Our minds and our lives are consumed by trying to get the best that this world has to offer. And then in that attempt, we miss out on something better. While we're trying to give our kids the best vacations and get them to every sporting event five nights a week, have we tried to actually instill quality character traits with that same vigor? You know, vacations aren't bad, sports are awesome, but character should trump those things, right? What good are the temporary treasures in this world without having a grasp on the eternal treasures that matter most? We actually are given a promise that we can have a treasure that's eternal. But what does it look like to go after that kind of treasure? Now here's a hint. It's probably the opposite of what your natural instincts are going to tell you. Because your natural instincts are often going to take you to the same place that the dude from Shark Tank found himself to be. You're going to think that you're free without realizing that the thing that you think makes you free has actually placed you in a prison of your own making. How can we keep from building these prisons of temporary treasures for ourselves? And would you know it, God's Word has some thoughts on the matter. So we're going to jump around today uh, and look at a few different passages that hit on some of these eternal promises that we have as givers, as being generous people. And here's the first passage. It's taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19. Moreover, as you Philippi Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. Uh, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough 
I'm amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his, of his glory in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul matter-of-factly states that when he set out on this missionary journey, no other church but this church in Philippi was willing to help him out and support him. It's kind of cool when you step back and you, you see that these, this Philippian church was probably one of the very first churches ever to financially support a missionary. They stepped up and they gave in order to enable Paul to take the gospel to these other cities when no one else was doing that. Here's what Paul says happens when, when giving takes place in that kind of sacrificial way. Paul says God promises plenty of provision. God promises plenty of provision. I want you to notice that there is a unique kind of two-way provision that's taking place in this scenario. Paul explains how God provided for his needs through the Philippian church, but then he also alludes to the fact that God would meet every need that this church has, every need that these people will come up against, all because of the great riches that we find in Jesus. When we give, there is provision to go around. Now, I'm going to be honest about it. When I give, a lot of times I still have my needs in mind first and foremost. I think to myself, man, if I give this, will I still have enough to take care of myself? It's very rare that I feel like I fully and wholly sacrificially think, man, my, my giving right now to this person is, is going to take care of what that person needs, and that's it. Almost always in the back of my mind, I'm still concerned about whether or not I, I can help somebody else out and still take care of myself. I think we're all kind of like that, at least to some degree, right? Uh, I hope I'm not the only bad one. But I want you to catch the spirit of what Paul is saying in this letter. He's commending this church because of the fact that they did what no other church would do. They helped him out when he was in need. They helped him before supporting missionary work was the cool and normal thing to do. And I find it very likely that they had, they had to do this without really knowing if, the, if they were going to be taken care of personally in, in return. This giving was a stretch. This giving was not easy for this Philippian church. And because it wasn't easy... Paul reassured them that God's riches were so great that they really would get taken care of in the end. Here's what I want us to catch in, in, in thinking about this letter. When you give, are you more focused on the, the promise that God has to provide for your needs as you give, or are you grateful for the opportunity to be, to be God's answer for someone else in provision? You know, God plan promises plenty of provision when you give, and not all that provision is for you. Now think about it. You are meant to be someone else's answer to prayer through your acts of generosity. That's a powerful thought. That's a cool thought. Uh, that's an exciting thing that we get to be a part of. And it happens when we give to somebody when they're struggling. It happens when we give to the church, and that money is, enables the gospel to reach people that, in a way that changes their lives. It happens when you pay for the person behind you in the line at McDonald's and it's that one moment of grace that they experience that whole day. Even if you weren't promised to be provided for in return when you're generous, wouldn't it sometimes be worth it to give in such a way that you would get to be someone else's answer to prayer? You get to take part in being God's answer to providing for someone or something by your giving. That's pretty cool, I think. Now. God's provision is like this big, awesome cycle. When, 
when the people of God are living out generously in their everyday lives, that type of generosity, it, it goes out and then it's like a boomerang. It comes flying back at you. And I use this story often because I think it speaks volumes, spoke volumes to me about the beauty of giving when I was younger. Um, see, when my grandpa was younger, uh, he got $500 behind on his giving to the church that he wanted to be able to give. And he was struggling a bit uh, financially and he, he kind of made giving more of a last resort expense. Um, if he had money to give, then he would. And for a while, he just he didn't have enough. And, and then he changed his approach to giving. Uh, he actually took out a $500 loan just so that he could repay back what he felt he needed to, to give to the church. And then he continued to give faithfully. And, and here's actually what he said about that. He said, you know what? From that day forward, uh, once I had, I had given what I was supposed to give, I never struggled financially again. I was taken care of. Man, to me, that's just such a cool understanding of when we give sacrificially, God takes care of us. When we're generous, it's like a boomerang in our lives. God always brings that generosity back to us. He takes care of us in a way that, that we wouldn't be able to be taken care of otherwise. And Paul was confident that the Philippian church's generosity would come back to them like a boomerang. And it's really a biblical promise. When, when we're part of God's answer to provision, when we can pr provide it, uh, we're going to be provided for when we need provision. It's an eternal promise. It's a good eternal promise. Here's another part of, of one, another one of Paul's letters that gives us, I think, another eternal promise uh, from Scripture. This one's found in 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what, he, what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Uh, there's a lot going on there. What is the essence here of what Paul is saying? It's, it's this. When you sow little, when you give sparingly, you don't get much in return. But when you sow a lot, when you sacrificially put it all out there and give generously, you will see a return from that type of generosity. Now, Paul uses terms like freely scattering your gifts to the poor. I've got to be honest with you, that one hurts me a bit. I don't know if I have ever freely scattered gifts to the poor. I think it's more like I have painfully put my hand out with a gift while squinting my eyes, hoping that no one's going to take it. But here's what God promises to those who give generously. And it's another eternal promise. And the promise is God promises multiplication. I want to read the last two verses in this passage again because I think it's really important we get this. It says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, let me carefully draw out what Paul has just said here. 
He's saying that God is the supplier of everything that you have to give. And when you give, he actually promises to enrich you even more so that you can be generous on every occasion. He gives to us so that we can be rich and generous on every occasion. And the prosperity gospel has it all wrong on this one. There are some teaching in the Christian circles that says when you give, you're going to get more in return, and then it's like a full stop. You've got more because you gave, and now you're better off for it. But that's not the true gospel. The true gospel is this. Yes, you're going to receive multiplication from God when you give, but it's still not for your benefit. It's so that you can now go out and you can give even more. What? Like, that makes me lose my brain. God doesn't just multiply our resources for our sake. He does it so that we can bless even more people. Why does he bless us so that we can keep on blessing? It's because then, like this passage says, others will bless God with thanksgiving. If you're giving in order to be multiplied, you've lost track of what generosity is about. Generosity is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Generosity never stops. It's meant to keep going on and on and on. Now, can I just say, I think that's an exciting truth, and, but it's also a really difficult truth. I think for me, uh, the two most important things that I can be generous with are their resources. It's time and it's money. Now, ever since Crystal and I have been married, and uh, I've taken Thursdays as my day off, and for about the last 14 years, uh, my day off has been a day of pretty much doing childcare duties. Uh, I watch our girls while Crystal goes to work on Thursdays. It's been 14 years now since I've kind of had my days off all to myself to do my own thing without a care in the world. And so you can imagine, uh, I was looking forward to 2020. This was going to be the year that my last child would be in full-time school. I would have from like 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. all to myself on Thursdays. And then Pandageddon happened. Uh, you see, I was combining the words uh, pandemic and Armageddon for those of you who, who weren't quite following. Uh, but we decided to do homeschool for the year just because it was a weird year. And so my Thursdays went from being off and watching the girls to now actually spending the mornings teaching the girls. Oh my goodness. I wasn't, I wasn't 100% excited about that. Uh, but you know what? Somewhere in the midst of this last year, I started to see it uh, totally as a blessing. More time with my girls. Uh, more opportunity to pour into them on a deeper level. Uh, there were some really good things about it. And I learned something. I learned that being generous with my time gave a blessing. And, and taking that blessing and just being okay with it and sitting on that blessing, it doesn't make more blessing. Uh, and so we're actually trying the homeschool thing again for another year. I'm not always excited about everything that comes with it, uh, but there is blessing in what's been going on. And so if God is calling me to be more generous with my time, if there's a blessing in it, it's worth it to keep that generosity ongoing. Again, if there's a blessing in it. And, and the same applies to generosity in the way that we give money. We don't do it just for the blessing that we get. We continue to pour out so that blessing continues to happen all around us. Blessings multiply over and over. And so generosity might as well happen over and over. Uh, generosity never just multiplies resources, though. Generosity multiplies our growth. Um, practicing good stewardship produces a growth in us that can take off like a wildfire. Uh, I know for me, nothing seems to spark growth quite like obedience in the area of, gen of living a generous lifestyle. Training ourselves in the area of stewardship is not ever about raising money. It's about raising followers of Jesus and developing them 
to be used in furthering God's kingdom. You know, in our youth group, CYJ, Central Youth Janesville, we encourage our students to give to a missions organization called Speed the Light. We don't ask kids to give money to missions simply for the $2,000 that they bring in during the year for missionaries. Now, that money helps the missionaries with whatever is necessary to spreading the gospel. But we help kids develop a passion for that kind of generosity because it increases their faith. It makes them spiritually sensitive to the needs around them. It makes them see the world through a different set of spiritual eyes. It gives them a way to actually make a lasting contribution. It changes them from being takers to being givers. Generosity sparks a great multiplication of our spiritual muscles and our spiritual awareness. But without a generous heart, it's hard to see the world as God sees it because it's too easy to see the world uh, the way that you want to see it. You see it as your world and not His. You want what the world can give you rather than wanting to see what God can do through you and let God multiply your impact in the world. And that happens through generosity. So as we develop in generosity, God promises us eternal provision. He, provi- he promises multiplication, but I think this might be the best promise of all that we're going to hear today. God promises treasure in heaven. Uh, Matthew 6 says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, Let me go back and remind you of what what the dude from the Shark Tank said. He said that money gave him freedom, but then he said that he laid awake at night worrying about if he made enough of money that day. When you treasure the things in this world, they will never, ever, ever, ever satisfy you to the point that you're going to feel content. It's impossible. We are not temporal beings. See, we were made by God for eternity. And unless we have security in our eternity, we will never be content and we will always be longing for more. You know, I like scrolling through Facebook and and maybe you do too, but you know what? I, I always find myself scrolling to one more story all the time because it's like there's this need for knowledge in me that just doesn't ever seem to be quite contented. And so I keep scrolling. I scroll to the, next, to the next story on Facebook, hoping that at some point I've read the story that gives me content for the day. But it never happens. I also keep really good tabs on my retirement accounts and checking and savings accounts. And I like to know where we're at. But get this, no matter how good things look at the end of the month with all of these accounts, I always wish that it looked a little bit better. When it comes to my finances, it's like I'm never completely going to be content. You will never become generous if you're looking for satisfaction in this life. You're never going to be content if you're looking for satisfaction uh, from anything outside of God. God promises an eternal treasure, and that treasure is the only treasure that will ever satisfy your longing. Your heart is made to long for something lasting and eternal. It will not be happy until you find it, and you're only going to find it in Jesus. And some of us are living our lives like we think that the hearses that carry our casket have luggage racks on them. We're living like we think that we're going to take all that we possess with us here into eternity, and you're not. Learn to give what you have here away. 
Because what you'll get in reward will be better than, than whatever you might keep in this life. Now, as we wrap up this series on stewardship and generosity, I want you to consider this question. Why aren't Christians more giving by nature? Why am I not more giving by nature? And I think it really comes down to usually three different reasons. Number one, uh, Christians, we don't think that we can give and still meet our needs. So there's a fear, there's a lack of trust. Number two, they don't know how to give. Number three, they don't plan to give. Let me encourage you on something. Start your kids off early in generosity. Make generosity into a lifelong habit. Uh, show them how fun it can be to bless somebody else. And, and I don't even think it's going to be very difficult for them to be generous people when they get older. It's not brainwashing your kids. It's training them in what's good and what's healthy and what's right. Uh, but then I'd also say this as well. Learn to plan to give. You know, in our house, we have an, an envelope in our safe that uh, it, it's our year-ending our year-ending giving envelope uh, for the big offering that we do here at church every year. Uh, we want to be able to give to it, so we plan for it. We put some extra money that we get during the year into that envelope. We also literally figure our tithing right into our budget. Uh, and you might be thinking, you know, like, wait, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of generosity? Isn't giving supposed to be, like, hard and sacrificial? No, it's not. It's just something that we're called to do. So if it's something that we're called to do, plan for it. Put it in your budget so that you don't spend all your money elsewhere and then you've got nothing left, left to give. In fact, there's actually a term in the Bible that, that often gets used, especially in the Old Testament, about giving of your first fruits. And, and what does that term mean? It, it's giving the very first thing that you get. It's the very first thing that you do. It's essentially your first expense of all the expenses, and then everything else follows. So that means that if something's got to be cut from your expenses, it's not your generosity that gets cut. It's one of your luxuries. And you can actually say, according to God's word, that generosity might be a bigger expense than uh, food and shelter and clothing and all those things. It is the first thing that we're told to give to. Uh, but when we're faithful to that call to give, we're promised to be taken care of. We're going to be okay. We won't think of ourselves in lacking in any way. Uh, I said it a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again. God doesn't ask us to give to keep the church going. He, he owns everything. He doesn't need your money. Believe me, He doesn't need your money. But God asks us to give because it puts our hearts in the right place. Generous people, simply put, are people that are growing in the character of Jesus because Jesus himself is generous. And so today, uh, if you were with us in person, you would see that we've got these cards uh, that we're asking you to fill out. And it's simply a generosity challenge for you um, to be seen only by you. It's asking you if you're, what you're willing to do when it comes to your giving. And so there's three parts to this generosity challenge. The first one is this. I will begin to give generously. Uh, if you don't give right now, uh, that's all it is saying, that you'll be willing to give something. The second one is, I will offer God his 10%, his tithe, out of every pay period. Uh, the third one then is, I will increase my giving. Wherever your giving is at, it's just you saying today, I want, uh, my challenge is to give a little more. And it doesn't matter which challenge you choose to take on today, but I do believe that it matters that you, that you commit to the challenge of being generous. You can't look at the life of Jesus and the words of Scripture and conclude that we're called to be anything but giving. 
to have anything but a giving spirit. So let God speak to you today about what he's actually challenging you to do in this area of giving. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you give so much to us. God, I pray that you'd speak to every single one of our hearts. Uh, generosity can be a difficult thing. Uh, for, those, for those of us who, who maybe aren't in the habit of giving, of sacrificially giving out of our own income uh, for the sake of the kingdom, uh, it can be a difficult thing to start. Um, and even those of us who are giving, the idea of giving more, man, it, it's difficult. Lord, grow us in our trust for you. God, help us to do the things in generosity that will, like Paul's writing said, will bring glory to this world for Jesus. That people will see the good works that are being done, the generosity has taken place, and they will give thanks to God. We ask that you would increase our, our trust for you right now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we're done here, uh, let's take a moment just to remember Jesus uh, through his act of going to the cross as we take communion together. You know, Jesus was generous with his body, with his time, uh, even his blood that he shed out for us. He generously poured out himself for us on the cross. And that's what we're going to remember, remember right now in this moment as we, we eat bread and we drink uh, juice together or whatever you might have at home. Uh, let's pray and let's thank him. God, thank you so much for going to the cross for us. Thank you so much for showing your generosity by being willing to die for us. Thank you for taking my sin upon yourself. Um, God, as we remember you right now and what you did on that cross, we thank you for it. We ask that your grace would change us every single moment of every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.